Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? Yeah, it's like really. I actually, I started to write a blog post. I couldn't. I've been really like struggling to figure out what I would want a topic for a blog post to be. And um, so I was looking through my notes folder where I keep all my little ideas, and and I have always wanted to write an essay about. I've had thirty seven jobs, and I wanted to write about. Yeah, I've had 37 jobs. But of course, I I don't want to just list all my jobs. I have to, you know, and it has to be gearing up to to a point. But it got me down a rabbit hole yesterday because I started the essay by talking about how my doing my own DNA revealed I'm 100% peasant. Like there's not one, you know, noble or even a anybody living above the poverty line, really. And so it makes a lot of sense because when I have a big job, like Aaron is frequently commenting, wow, you just, uh, you just keep working. You just, you know, put your head down and keep working. And I'm like, yeah, what's, what's the alternative? But in my family, I think I got my first official job. I mean, it was a babysitter, et cetera, but I think I got my first official job kind of late because I was 17 and my sister worked all the way through high school. She worked, started working at the Dairy Queen. I think she was just barely 14. Mm-hmm. And my dad started working early. And uh, anyway, so it's like work is like, you know, the work ethic is really, that's the one thing I'll say about my, you know, my family that's unequivocally positive is that everybody works hard. Yeah. You know, I have no yeah. slackers in my family. There's no slackers. And I think, you know, I, the, the guy I used to date that then died, he used to say, he used to say, um, Loopy, that was my nickname. He would say, Loopy, you are a worker, a worker and a doer. You come from peoples that are workers and doers. You're a real doer. And that can be great. And that can also be a trap, right? So doing, mm-hmm. doing, as we know, is but it yeah. has gotten me. I've probably had. I probably haven't had thirty seven, but I've had a lot. And you know that you and I had the same job. I just you got to tell everybody the story about the job we had. So well, you had it first. So there was a church. Um, I won't name it because I don't know. I guess it doesn't yeah. really matter. But there's a church, a Catholic church, a very large Catholic church, a very old Catholic church. I mean, Catholic old, yeah. Um, in Chicago, that that had a rectory still does I'm sure. And in the rectory, there was a secretary named Barb and she needed an assistant. If I'm correct, some kind of helper. And that was Gina and Gina was that helper. And when Gina moved on, Jen B became the helper. So we were assistants to the secretary at the rectory of a Catholic church. But, that doesn't even give no. the greatest description of what the job is. So part of a big part of the job, maybe the biggest part of the job was answering the door when homeless people came because they had a policy of giving. Now, what did you think about the policy of giving cookies? I mean, you know, that's all I think that's all it was, was cookies. No, right? no, cookies no. It was, it was it was <laughs> <laughs> here's your cookies and soap. Good luck. The, the 
soap might taste better than these cookies from 1980. Yeah, um, right. No, it was ramen. We had to fill the the ramen. It was a cup of noodles, and we filled oh, right. it. And I burned myself every time. And we and we it was new. But you're right. It was basically a cup of ramen, cookies, and something else. It might have been soap, something like that. And um, and I just thought. I mean, people came. That's what we did. We answered the door and gave the, the, the food. Answered the door, gave the food. My favorite part of that job was doing the counting the take, the weekly, the weekly money uh, collection, because my mom went to that church and I knew all of these people like through her. And I just got so much joy about like being in a setting with my mom and them and being like, I know exactly how much money you give. That to is them. fantastic. <laughs> my favorite part was having these really weird lunches with the church staff. Oh, 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 that was bizarre. Creepy, so uncomfortable. Creepy. So uncomfortable. So we'd go to the basement where there was a, a kitchen and we'd all have these the weirdest meals ever. There was a cook who would cook, but we'd also order in on on special days from like the the Italian restaurant. And the food was bizarre. It was like fish on Friday. It was just, and we're sitting there and like, you know, you and I are like, we'd like to fancy ourselves hipster, hipster. And we're sitting there with 65 year old people talking about who's getting baptized, who, who's, who died, who's. Uh, It was so awkward. It was so awkward. And the priest would sit at the head of the table and it was this old Polish woman. who, And it was like, you better like the food that you serve. And and it was okay. I mean, it was, but it It was like very predictable. But I am the reason that we started ordering out because I couldn't take it after a while. I was like, hey, Barb. Can we order? Can we order out? And she's like, "Oh, I I remember she used to say, oh, Gina, I I have my money budgeted down to almost a penny.'" And I said, "Uh, "My treat, Barb, my treat." Um, but but then when father when the priest found out about it he said no 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 well let's do that for everybody and so that's how and it was the restaurant that I worked at via Carducci which I can't remember did I work at there at this I think I worked there at the same time as I worked at the church and uh oh and Barb delighted it in ordering she would just pour over the menu try something different every friday so sweet the thing that i remember about barb i remember a lot of things she had huge hands she had these big meat sausage hands she wasn't a big person but she had like big limbs like she was lumbering (laughs) even though she She wasn't like a big person and then she and she and she would pour over the menu, and also she had a very troubled son. God help her. I don't know what happened to him. Oh, and yeah. he would show up at church, and I would have to field. She would be like, I don't want to see him. And so then, of course, because I am who I am, I would get in the middle and, like, try to help him. And it was not, not good. But I had a blast there, so I can thank you for that. I did have a blast. I learned so much. And, Gina, it got me hired I never told you this. It got me basically hired for Nicolas Cage. Did I, I never told you this story. So, oh, because that was your admin experience. And he looked at my resume and said, oh, you worked for a Catholic church. Awesome. You're hired, basically. So that job, Gina, got me my job in L.A. He loved okay. that on my resume. 
I love that so much. Uh, did I ever tell you about when I tried to seduce the priest? Okay. No, but that is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, so we had this young priest. I don't really know what my deal was. He was he was fine. He he was fine. He wasn't ugly, but he wasn't particularly attractive. I I think what it was was he li- liked me. I mean, I th- I think he just liked me like as a person. It wasn't like anything romantic. But I I think at that point in my life, I interpreted any attention that I got from a man as like, okay, this is a potential romantic interest. And I think I just got really taken away by the idea that maybe I could get this guy to (laughs) to break his vows. To to turn. To turn. Yes. And I'll tell you something. It really felt like it almost happened. Uh, There was a moment. It happened in the church. I was doing something in the church and I I was standing on a ladder and he came in. It was all, it was very like close. And guess what? About two weeks after that, he moved to a different congregation. No way. That is fantastic right there. That's going in Agnes of fraud somehow. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. There's like a person that works in the office that, Oh, oh my gosh. Another woman that works in the office that's also like a culty. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is brilliant. Gina. Yeah. We have a whole fun. thing right there. Yeah. I loved I it. Whole thing right there. I yeah. loved it. It was a great job. It was a great job. But anyway, how do we get started talking about jobs? You said you had 37 jobs and you were talking about your blog oh, post. Oh, right. Because I was writing a blog post. Yeah. I yeah, haven't finished yeah. it yet, but I'll, I'll um, send it to you. So we made the quarterfinals of the Cinestory contest. Yay, so Cinestory awesome. is a really, really competitive, like um, awesome, been around forever. And I got the email and I was like, Oh, this is so great because I've been like nudging people to, I had to nudge the two showrunners again. I never heard back from them about like, Hey, and then, so this was, it was just, a, it was a much needed, um, no, a much needed win, I think. Yeah, for so, sure. Finals and semis and then finals maybe. So, uh, do you know any, do you have any idea about how many submissions they get? So I have a friend, um, I'm going to ask her, I don't know. The answer is no, but I know it's a lot. And I know that if we get to, according to what I read, if we get to the semis, we're invited to the retreat, which you still have to pay for, but it's virtual. It's all virtual this year. And um, it's like, my friend said the retreat changed her life. Like she met her agent, okay, so I think she met. She met and she met producers and they bring in like top of the line people. And it's, so I'm really hopeful. And I also, um, I'm grateful that it's all virtual. That way you can do it's It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. I mean, we'd make it work anyway, but it's not, it's in Idlewild. I mean, it used to be in Idlewild, California. So that's a schlep obviously with COVID and whatever. So yay for, for it being virtual. But I just really, I, I, I like that. My friend said it's a really good one and I've read really good things about it. So I'm happy about that. That's so cool. I'm grateful to you for doing all of the submitting to these various contests. Oh. It's, it's a lot to keep track of. Oh, no, no. It's e- I love it. That's like my jam. If I could enter contests all day, I would like raffles or like a submission. I like, you know, I, I think you probably can. I, I, I like you remember those people that made their living like they figured out how to get their groceries for free by doing coupons i bet you could li- make a living off of raffles but you would have to work really hard at it it's, you it may not like, like it thing. that much yeah yeah i feel like that's maybe what barb did in retirement yeah sure. right? 
run this by you? Um, I am okay. I fundamentally believe in most of the woo woo stuff. Yeah. Like I don't really disagree with it. I agree with it, but I don't want to do the culture around it. I totally hear you. And I don't, and, and it just occurred to me today, like maybe you don't, Maybe if you don't want to do the culture around it, you, you don't, it's not really your, your belief. Do you know what I mean? Like, I totally know what you mean. And I have a follow-up question for you, which is, is it um, uh, the rebel nature in you that doesn't want to join? Or is it that you think the people that can be really annoying? Or what, what is the thing that really gets your goat? Well, hmm. It's not, it's not the thing that, that it's not that it's often used in a scammy way, even though it is often used in a scammy way that, that doesn't bother me because anything is used in a scammy way. Um, You know what, when I, I think, okay, I think this is what it is. When I hear people talking about it. Yeah. So boring sounding. Okay. So that's it. So you are bored by the woo-woo-ness of the culture. And maybe uh, I'm wondering too, if it like, for me, what happens is it, it, it borders into really just being privileged talk. Yeah. Like we create our abundance, meaning if you're, if, if, <laughs> if, you, if you're unhoused, you've created that unhoused right. situation. Right. And, right. and I think it, for me, if you have any sort of social justice bone in your body, an alarm goes off and you start thinking, well, that's garbage because that means that, you know, people who are down on their luck are, have created this whole situation or they're cancers. I can't stand that as having lived through so many cancers. Oh, people yeah. Say, yeah. So maybe it's that part of, part of it, but the essential message that we all deserve abundance, I think is a good one. It's just that we don't all have the same tools to get there. Yes, that. And also it's the same reason I'm, I don't ever want to talk to anybody about being a mom, like ever, because people get this like glossy glazed over like I, I, and it's also feels somewhat superior. It has this way of always feeling superior. Like I was listening to somebody talk about like, you know, crystals and rocks and, and that's boring. Just talking about crystals and rocks is boring. But, but then like this, there's this subtext of like, and, and I, you know, thank God I figured it out. I just figured it out. (laughs) I'm always and I'm always serene and it just it feels like a lie I wish people could talk about it in a way where it's just really honest and direct like yeah sometimes the crystals don't work (laughs) sometimes I think it's just because I took my antidepressant that I felt better right and sometimes they do work and like but it's also it's it is a little the joiner thing I I don't really like joining really a joiner which is a joiner, even though I like to be part of a community. I don't know. I'm a contradiction, I think. No, well, I think part of it too is just that you you have a, a very keen bullshit radar. And I also think that you're like 
the worst person to target for a multi-level marketing scheme because because you you can sense bullshit and you also are able to say I'm really not interested in this. That's where I end up with 40 million tchotchkes or Rodan and Fields meets, meets, you know, Nutra this meets uh, because I have my people pleasing problems. So I, yeah. Have you gone into a multi-level marketing scheme before? I never became a rep, but believe me, I have supported many a friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. Vitamin juice or whatever. I don't know. All kinds of pills. I don't (laughs) know. And they get so excited about it that you want to get excited. You're like, that's amazing. Wow. You, you, it, like you're telling me it changed your life. This lady lives on my street. She's started selling jewelry for one of these crappy things. And, and she's like, and I, you know, and I'm like happier and I'm, and I'm, and I feel better and I look better and I, and I have more money. And it's just like, oh my God, that's amazing. Is that from selling this jewelry? Well, yeah, that, and that goes back to what I texted you the other day, which is that hope and belief in oneself is contagious. That is the thing that people want. They don't want the crappy tchotchke jewelry because I never wear it after I get it. I want that hope. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, that's right. That is what we're looking for. So, and and also maybe it's that like your options for that are religion or spirituality right or or, and cap or buying consuming or like some kind of consuming but you're right it it, you the joining is limited we don't have a lot of community i mean i think that speaks to a larger problem we don't so that we create these communities out of (laughs) multi-level level marketing things or religion or whatever it is to feel like yes we can do this really we're just it's like it always comes down to for me what we you and I talk about which is it's a confidence game it's a it, in the best way i don't mean a scam but i mean like it's about that feeling of my life is good now see and it's because of this tchotchke jewelry from the czech republic or what whatever <laughs> so wouldn't it be, what okay what if there was a store that like the like the bodhi tree or like yeah places and and you work there, you owned it or whatever. And when people came in and said, like, I'm feeling, uh, you know, I want to I want to have abundance when you ha- and you've got an abundance candle and you've got this. And you say to the person, look, I mean, really what this is, it's not the candle. It's that you are choosing to focus on your own abundance. Like so that I mean, just FYI, like, please buy the candle because otherwise I'm going to start a business. Right. But, but but also know that it's really not about the I just it, it right. like there's just this seem seemingly like a little bit of a lack of honesty. I agree, and I think the hard part is that the that these people who th- that talk like that, I, for me the madness is they're not aware that it's not about the candle, or if they are. If they are, it's too hard to do the work about abundance or whatever the issue is. They'd much rather spend ten ninety nine on the candle because that's a quick. That's no one. I guess it comes down to nobody wants to do the freaking work. Nobody wants to do the work. When you worked at the Bodhi Tree, did were you expected oh, to behave God. in the woo woo way? Well, I really believed in the woo woo stuff, but I did not. I also had. A, I think the thing about 
both of us is that we have a sense of humor. So I also, because, you know, being not from LA and be, I just, I just thought some of it was hilarious. Like, like Madonna came in and, and bought, um, you know, people just buy hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of merchandise. And I was like, this is insane. And I just got off on it because I thought it was the, and and look, I was 24. So I, I didn't, it didn't strike me as this is so sad because everyone's starving. And this person is buying literally $300,000 worth. I mean, they would clean us out of (laughs) Kabbalah. Are you being serious? $300,000? Well, like I remember the highest bill someone had, people would come in with um, black American express cards, which have no limit or have some, kind. and there was a, there was Alanis Morissette came in and did some serious damage, but the, uh, the music producer, Rick Rubin, who produced the Beastie Boys and the Chili Peppers and anyway, who looks, who wears no shoes and looks like a monk. He came in and I think his total was, he had two different cards because he had to call and say, I'm not being scammed and all this stuff. But I think his total was something like $90,000. I, I mean, did, you, did your cash register? <laughs> well, we we had to do it in sections. like. Right. But he had like a truckload. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. So wow. I think I was just like in awe. And I didn't realize that with that abundance of his comes someone's paying the price somewhere. Someone's not getting yeah. abundant that yeah. way. And I was making seven thirteen, seven dollars and thirteen cents an hour. Right. How about share some abundance this away? Right. How about <laughs> tipping us? Well we couldn't take tips. But but meanwhile, yeah, it was crazy. And I just remember the big book that was really popular when I was there was the um, Eckhart Tolle's uh, uh, The Power of Now. And the power of now, I, my big joke was people would come in and be like, I need the power of now. And I'd be like, you need it right now, don't you? You need it right now. And they'd be like, that is not funny. But I thought it was really funny. And we'd always be out of the book. And I'd be like, they did not think it was funny because I was kind of being a jerk. I was like, oh, you need it right now, do you? You need the power of now right now. <laughs> but you hit on it. It's the humorlessness of it. I don't like any humorless situation. Like if you can't, you know, because there is something funny in like every situation. And, and, and it's not just that you're not, the other person isn't like making a joke of it. It's that they don't, they don't, it's just taking themselves and every and it all so seriously. I think that's the part that is the part that's probably from an outsider, you know, review is the crux of your like your angst about or your annoyance about it is that there is there is no levity there is no like okay we're literally talking about a crystal that has been char- quote charged in the sun and has special powers and yeah. this is literally bonkers but it's really bonkers it might work i mean so that's that's what you're saying is that there's no variance of there everything is one note so and that's not funny when something's one note and the one note is this is so serious if i don't get these kabbalah books i'm going to you know i'm not right. the set of kabbalah books for $1600 special ordered i'm going to bad things are going to happen and you know they yeah. could happen but i bet it's not because you didn't get the kabbalah books i bet it's because life right. is hard life is hard and people die and get cancer and all well, that kind of absolutely So um, what I find myself doing is I want to be, I want to want to be this person because, because like I say, there's so much basic 
I think, wisdom in so much of that stuff. Like I'm the kind of person who will download every episode of Oprah's podcast and never, I've never once listened to it. Like I've never for one second listened to, but I want to want to listen to it. I, and I think, and maybe it's because I'm just saying to myself, like, you should, you should really listen to this. You, you need, you need serenity now. You need whatever, like the secret, but I, I can't bring myself to do it. I just watched The Office again. There you go. And I remember when The Secret came out, we I was at your house um, and in, in Chicago. Chicago. And I said, and I said, oh, I, I, The Secret, they're like showing it at whatever, whatever. And both you and your husband were like, that's, that's such garbage. And, but, but, and I remember thinking, yeah, it is kind of garbagey and I'm still going to watch it. It's not the whole picture. The secret is not the whole picture. It's it's what they say, which is, for me anyway, my one of my mottos is trust in God. I happen to believe in a higher power situation, but I say trust in God, but tie your camel to the pole. Like, take yeah. care of your business and you can use all the crystals you want, but still do your dishes because you're going to get roaches if you don't. Absolutely. And you know, when I think the reason that we had that reaction is our downstairs, when we lived there our downstairs neighbor was really into the secret and it, it was literally the only thing she could talked about. And every time it came up, I, I mean, I like was avoiding the laundry room. I was, I just did. And every time it came up, all I could think is, yeah, you, you live in like a tiny, she was like 60 years old and she lived in a tiny room in a shitty apartment. I, I remember her, her apartment. Yeah. Her room. I just, I don't think you, right. This, it's not, a, this, this is not a secret. <laughs> Today on the podcast, we have Larry Bates, the talented Mr. Bates. You know him from so many things. He's currently starring on In Strange Woods. He's been in LA's Finest, Cherish the Day, uh, Sunnyside, Miss Virginia, Big Little Lies, NCIS. He's just been in a ton of stuff. He's a fantastic actor, a wonderful guy, and we had a great interview, so I hope you enjoy it. I can hear you great. I can hear you Fantastic. Great. Larry Bates, congratulations. You survived theater school. <laughs> thank you how, how thank painful you. was it just get just get, just, just let's get, get to right it. to the right to the nitty-gritty oh wow let's go right to it how painful was it uh i i, I mean you know there's degree degrees of pain i would i would say degrees of pain but I, you know i don't know i i didn't it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't that painful for for me really that's good maybe like Maybe first year, first year was definitely painful. And there were parts of fourth year, especially our like outgoing audition class was very painful. Oh. And like I said, there was, there was some very, there were some varying degrees of pain throughout, but overall, I mean, it was, I mean, it's, I mean, I got to do yoga and, 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 and sleep in Phyllis's class. You paid a pretty penny to do yoga. <laughs> <laughs> that is true well that's def well i'll tell you what those uh uh student loans that's definitely painful that's that's still i'm painful. curious i just i'm just really curious about this uh we'll just jump right into the fourth year uh, whenever someone's like that was the really pa-. i'm like that's what i want to hear about. See, here's the thing i don't want to I, I could jan i could i could i could do it i don't want i don't want to 
I don't want to trash. I don't want to trash this. It was just. It was just. It was just not a. You know, here's the thing. I'll, I'll, without 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 trashing someone really bad, and and you would think it's been twenty twenty some odd years. I'd let it go, but you know, you spend. I just feel like you spend four years there. You know, hopefully building up your confidence, and then you get in this class, and I, I just felt like it was a lot of garbage. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of like. Uh, someone trying to pretend that they were bigger than who they were. Mm. And you're dealing with a lot of young kids who are like anxious to know what's going to happen after they graduate. And they're looking at you like you actually know. And, you know, so I just think it, I think it did a disservice to a lot of what we had learned going through, um, going through school and then to actually get out in the professional world and for it to be validated, like, oh, you really had no clue. Yeah. You were really just, well, that, you know. Just to make you feel flexing. better, that person gets trashed a lot on this podcast. So. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we, oh, really? We, kind of, we mostly oh. cut it out, you know, we, or we like bleep the name, something like that. Because okay. the thing about it is like, you should be able to talk about your experience. And actually this is a a theme in my mind recently. Like, why are we always having to protect like the really shitty people? Why, you know, why, why can't we just call out shitty people for who they are? But you know, I know there's, you have to be political. Well, I I would say this, if I wasn't being, if I wasn't being recorded, I would, I would would unleash on on her. uh, Because I I agree with that. I want, I want shitty people to, I want people to know that shitty people are shitty people. And I I think the thing that I love about this podcast is that, well, well, that I'm finding is that, yeah, it's not, it's not even about trashing them. It's about like your experience, Larry Bates, as an actor going through the school and then graduating and seeing how that looks, as Gina would say, in the rear view mirror and and the things you learned and the things that were painful and also stuff that you would change and um i just do you think that the actual um schooling did not uh line up with what you then learned when you were on sets and stuff like that or when you said you know how you said it was different than well well i mean you know i i, I, I yes i mean i i mean i i i m- nothing most of what i i got out of that audition class i can't none of that's really what i bring with me as an actor today honestly but to me it was more of kind of like um i don't know you know you spend four years i mean it's kind of hard to you know you know you know it's like even your podcast is i survived the theater school because it really is survival and like these other these other students who are studying other other things don't under don't necessarily understand what it's what it what it does to you to have to kind of deal with yourself daily, you know what I mean? And to deal with, you know, you're in you're in school, you have these 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 hopes, these dreams, and like you're pursuing them and it's a it's fiercely competitive, you know, and, and at that time we still had the cut system where you had to be asked back the you know two years and then you get in the casting pool and you're you know it's very competitive to uh it's very competitive for parts and and you know you 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 develop friendships you kind of have like quasi enemies and all that stuff but ultimately <laughs> but ultimately but ultimately you come through school together and you and i i mean i will say even still to this day some of the best theater that i've seen has been from like the people that I went to school with, you know what I mean? Like, and just, you know, so I'm saying, so, so watching that, like us come from freshmen 
to becoming like, okay, man, like we're ready to go. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're ready to go out and, and do it. And then to have someone come there because they have their own egos and they're trying to pretend like they're bigger than somebody on their phone. Oh, and don't do to me. It's just like, you know, so, so I'll, I'll say, I do want to trash the person. I would, I would love to, I would really love to. So it's not just, um, it's not just like, uh, because it's just like, man, oh, yeah. like you, like, instead of, instead of like telling these people, Hey man, you just, you just spent a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of energy and sacrifice to learn this discipline. Like teach us to be confident and go mm-hmm. out. Nothing, you know, it may not be easy. It may not be easy, but like go out instead of giving us scare tactics, doing little slick stuff behind the back, saying horrible stuff to people, you know, so stuff like that. It just, it just bothers me, but I will say, and so on set, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just, I just don't think a lot of it was useful. And I, and I will, I will say to this day, to me, for me personally, as an actor, you know, confidence is everything. Confidence is everything. So to me, that is, that is valuable. And that doesn't mean like, you know, lay a glaze over what's to come. You can be real, but I don't know. There was just some stuff that was going on in that I just remember when we wrote our evaluation <laughs> of that class and man, I, I wrote, you know, you, you have that little box where it asks you at the bottom, um, you know, like, do you have any other comments? And I know it wasn't just me. I wrote so much. I turned the paper over. I mean, I filled the whole thing out. The whole That's thing. fantastic. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So you mentioned theater and you've done a lot of great yeah. theater. You worked at the Goodman and you've had some amazing roles. Were you always a theater person? Is that why you chose a theater conservatory? No, man. I, you know, no. I mean, so here's, so here's, um, here's also why maybe the school wasn't as painful for me. Like I was very, I was very raw in a lot of ways. Like I, I think I did my first full length play at DePaul. Um, honestly, um, I, when I was in, in high school, I did a lot of um, like, you know, monologue competitions and, you know, forensics, you know, like duet acting competitions and stuff. And I'll tell you, I was so, I was so naive <laughs> That the concept of re- this is terrible. The concept of reading a play to understand what a what a monologue meant, you know what I mean, or 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 or, or, or you know, so you get the context of the monologue or the context of the scene. I I I didn't even have that context. My my um my I wanted to be a lawyer, and my um my mom said, you know, you should get in in speech classes. So I took speech and drama. And my speech teacher would be like you really need to do these um, forensic competitions. You need to come do these speech tournaments. And I'm like, I ain't speaking in front of nobody, nobody at all. And then, and then she, she gave me this scene. It was the sunshine boys from Neil Simon Mm. or by Neil Simon. And I played uncle Willie and we went, we, we, and again, I didn't read the whole play. I just read the scene and I was like, Oh, this is funny. I'll, I'll, I'll have some fun with this. And it was just, it was just everything. I was just like, I, I love this. I love this. I mean, part, you know, part of it was I, I, you know, I was, we found some success in it. So I just got obsessed with it. And, you know, I was an athlete, I, I was an athlete too. And I was so obsessed with, with it that I quit football my junior year wow. and was like, I just want to, I just want to focus on acting. But here's the thing. When I look, when I look back now, I've been doing plays my whole life and, you know, was always kind of 
quick with it. But but to answer your question, I, I didn't do like a lot of like any type of real organized, uh, I don't know, we say organized like sports, but I, I didn't do any real like organized, <laughs> organized theater before before DePaul. So I was really there soaking up everything. Like, you know, if a, if a teacher said, you know, breathe with your toes i was trying to breathe in my toes you know what i mean so but that's that's, that's, that's a big leap though to go from i mean because most people were just like drama nerds from day one so when it came time to pick a school were you looking at other acting programs were you looking at other non-acting programs yeah it's it's uh, so this is yes yes but not because i i, I have to tell you so i like I was, when I think about it now, I have, n- I have no clue how I ended up at the theater school. That's... I have no clue how I'm even right here talking right. to Larry, you. Larry, it is you. You have to know that this is a common thing for some of us. I have the same thing, and so does Gina. Where we're like, we oh, wow. didn't know what was happening, and we still, and we're talking to people that are like. Dude, I just, I went because my friend told me to audition or whatever. So this is, anyway, I'm super excited. So how did you end oh, up auditioning? Oh, oh, this is great. This is great. So, so I was, <laughs> this is, so, some of this stuff just makes, when I think about it now, it's like, what were you, what were you thinking? You know, so uh, it was, all I knew was this. All I knew is I wanted to go to, <laughs> I wanted to go to a prestigious sounding school mm-hmm. okay because yeah so we were i was you know i was like i was kind of like um you know like i said so i was a little i don't want i was a little over overachieved a little in high school like i was in like tons of clubs i was like student body president i was in student government you know what i mean um but but and it was, we were kind of academically competitive, although the, the people who were at the top were at the top. And I was, you know, I would cut corners because I could and because it was like, ah, it's not that challenging. But anyway, I'm saying all that to say that I wanted to go to a prestigious sounding school. So I'm going to be like, oh, you know, when we had our high school, uh, when we had our high school, order, there there was this thing. At, I went to a school called DeRitter High School in Louisiana. And, you know, at the end of the year, you have this big kind of like um, session in the auditorium where they announce all the scholarships and for all the graduating people. So I just, I was like, I just want to, I just want to walk up on the stage and be like, Larry Bates, DePaul University. I was like, DePaul sounds great. But anyway, at the time, I wasn't even thinking of, at the time, I wasn't even thinking about DePaul. I was, I was thinking about going to do undergrad somewhere, probably LSU um, and, you know, do some kind of. Uh, major and then try to go to law school. Um, or I was going to go to, I was looking at Embry-Riddle in Florida uh, for aeronautical engineering. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. All right. But listen, this, these are just, these are just, these are just dreams of mine, but it was like, oh, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go be an engineer. But when I, you know, I remember when I was taking the ACTs and all that stuff, I remember checking how much I love performance. So one day I go to the mail and there is this thing in there that says DePaul University. I was like, DePaul. And I looked at it and it said Chicago. I was like, oh, Chicago. And I'd heard DePaul before, probably because of the basketball team. I was like, DePaul, that sounds very prestigious. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And then I saw the the theater school, I saw Chicago. And, you know, I'm originally from Chicago. I grew up in Louisiana, but my dad and his side of the family lived in Chicago. So I was like, Oh my God, I, my dad is in Chicago. And I was like, 
And I can see the Bears. I can watch the Chicago Bears play every Sunday. I am going to this school. So, well, here, here's the thing. I had no, I, I didn't know what a conservatory was. I, I, I had no clue. And like, I got other stuff in the mail from like Carnegie Mellon and stuff like that. But like, I was just like, I'm going to DePaul. And you have to understand, I, uh, <laughs> this is so horrible. It's the only school I applied to. Me too. Me too. Which is, which is crazy though, because if I wouldn't have got in, if, if I wouldn't, my mom would have killed me. Like this concept of you're not going to college is not a, is not a thing. And I, um, so I just applied. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go here. I applied. And I remember, <laughs> this is so bad. I remember, I remember my audition was in New Orleans and I had to drive to New Orleans, which was like four hours away. And my speech teacher gave me two two plays. One was My Children, My Africa. And I think the other one was like, Whose Life Is It Anyway? But one of them was about a guy who was a quadriplegic is all is from neck down, yeah. right? And para, okay, yeah. So he's a quadriplegic. So I was also very full of myself too. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the monologue. Uh, the quadriplegic oh monologue. Yeah, you know, oh and again, and again, I didn't, I didn't read the play. I didn't read the play. This I didn't have the concept fantastic. of reading the play. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm just gonna sit there and just talk with my head, and they're gonna love. They're gonna love me. They're gonna love me. So I'm like, yeah, that. So I, I work on that monologue for like two weeks. Get in the car to drive to New Orleans, and I just go. You know what, Larry? Maybe you should do something where you're a little more <laughs> on the just car wait. ride. In the car ride? Yes. So I'm learning the monologue from My Children, My Africa on the car ride oh to New Orleans. Wow. <laughs> David David Afghali and John Bridges are, are, are in there. I'm doing the monologue. I for, I, for, <gasps> I, I go up on the lines oh, in the middle no. of it. But I'm but you you have to understand, I am so it's like the, um, you know, ignorance is bliss. Like I've, I've, I'm just like, I went up. So what? So I like just dropped down to the ground, oh my got silent. I did something physically until it came back. And then I finished. Wow. And then I remember, I remember walking out and my mom was like, how'd it go? I was like, eh, yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah. But I, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to get in. You knew you were so confident. Yeah. But, but yeah, but I don't, I didn't know. I was just like, I was just like, I was great. I mean, I didn't know, like I said, I wasn't that experienced either to be like, Oh yeah. You're, I mean, I just was just like, yeah, yeah, it'll it'll work out. Two things. One, you're so much funnier than I ever remember you being, which is fantastic. I like that. I like okay. That. And two, where do you think that came from? That com- I know you said ignorance is bliss, but there must be something else. Like how, where did that come from? That like, I, I got this kind of a situation. Well, I, you know, I mean, I would just, I mean, I, 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 I guess I'd give credit to my mom, you know, it was just like, you know, kind of partly just growing up. It was just like, you know, just no excuses. Like I, it could be harder for you. You might have to do this, but this is what I expect and I need you to do it. So it was just like, okay, cool. You know? So it's just like, no matter what was going on, it's just like you, you just, I was just, 
it was just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it happen. You know what I mean? So it, I guess a little bit of that. Um, and again, I did not, I did not, I did not know that it was, you know, you know, doing quotes with my hand. I didn't know it was, you know, like tough to get in there. Like, you know, a lot of people applied. I, I didn't, I didn't know any of that. So I was just like, yeah, it's in Chicago. My dad's up there. I get to watch the Chicago Bears play football. And that was the, the, the biggest thing. Yeah. So I'm guessing so. it was somewhat of a surprise to you then what the program was actually like. If you hadn't been so keyed into theater and what the whole theater school training thing was, it must have been a lot of a whole new world for you. Yes, but I was I, I was I was just open to whatever was being thrown my way. Like I was just like, OK. Cool, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, there definitely were times. I mean, me, me and my home, my home, whatever. There were times where we sitting in like um, a speech class or a movement class, and you know everybody's being so like, "What the what the hell are y'all talking about? Like, I, what the hell are you talking about? You know, like here's some of these stories, and me and my me and my boy uh, kid C, we'd be like, um, yeah, yeah. But here, but I'll tell you, here's the other thing too. I was like, when I was done. Like when I was done with classes, like I was done. Like I was just like, okay, cool, cool. I'm, I'm up, I'm up. I'm going to enjoy college, like the college experience. The rest, the rest of DePaul, for the most part. I would, I would say specifically, like the my first year, one hundred percent, and maybe second half of second year started becoming more of the, you know, because theater school is its own thing. You know what I mean? So I'd say kind of second year, more third year, but, but I remember. I did. I was just like, I'm done. And I remember first year people were like, yeah, I had a meeting with, with, um, you know, Rick. And I'm like, what do you mean you had a meeting with your teacher? Why are you going to meet with that person? You know, we had class, we're done. What's what's up? (laughs) And then I, and and then I did, I was like, okay, well maybe I should be having a meeting. Maybe I should have a meeting. And I remember, I remember, I remember making a meeting and he was like, you don't need to come and meet with me. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm about to go, to the calf and uh, so you did you totally had the full DePaul experience you lived in the dorms and had friends that weren't in the theater school I lived I lived in the dorms did you live with the athletes did you live with athletes I I did eventually I lived in the dorms my entire four years so I lived in U-Haul first which was you know a dorm dorm but here's what was great and this is part of well part of the reason why I did is I got into sanctuary which is like the athlete um dormitory so I was in the townhouses so we had like this dope townhouse with like you know it was it was it was dope it was really dope so um so I lived there for like the next uh three three years so it was kind of like you know having independent living or off campus but still still it being a dorm how did you get into that if you weren't playing sports for DePaul because because again I was I, I was my circle was more than theater school people first first year. I was just I was just cool with everybody. I played pool all the time. Go I would go go hoop, go to the basketball courts, go do everything. So my pool my 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 circle was bigger than just theater school. And uh so I was most of the cats that were in my uh in my dorm were track guys. So they were all they were all track athletes, you know. So yeah. So we were you just, the only person from the theater school in your dorm? No, me and uh, me and uh, Christian Anderson. I don't know if y'all remember, it's my boy Kitsy. Christian, uh, yeah, yeah, Christian, yeah. Me and him were were living there, and then uh, 
he left after second year. And then one of my other homeboys, who's not a theater school guy, you know, he just, he moved in with me. Did you, you know, so. so you were never afraid, you, were you on warning? Never, right? No, I never, I mean, no, I never got a warning, but I was, I mean, I was afraid. I mean, like that first year is like, that first year is crazy. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you don't think it, but it's crazy. You know, you're in, you're in, you're in class and you do something. Cause again, I hear, here's the thing. That first year is a monster. You know what I mean? Like every, and, and, and every year, you know, you see these first years come out crying and sobbing and I understand it. Cause I felt the same way. I remember breaking down to my mom, like, I want to say it was like the summer. It's just like, it's hard. Like it's just hard. And it's, it's, it's a weird thing to like, to communicate to people because they don't really understand it. But like, you know, you, and I always say, you know, you, and I, 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 I will say, I think there's probably parallels in, in athletics, you know, like you, you go, I, I don't know, you go, I go to the school and I'm thinking, oh, I got into the school. Oh, I'm great. So I still have this kind of ignorant, arrogant bliss, you know, and then you go into class and you do something and Rick Murphy's looking at you like, what is that? That's garbage. Mm -hmm. And now you're all of a sudden you're like, I don't know who I am anymore. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know, and 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 I can also remember I was the class clown through like all all through like, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school. And I remember at DePaul, like everybody was funny. And there was this thing where it was like this competitive class clownishness going on. Yes. And I was like, I'm not as good as that guy or that guy. I can remember making a I can I can remember making a decision one hundred percent, trying to trying to do little jokes. And um and I remember Jason uh Jason McFlynn or, or Jason Pierce, Jason McFlynn, I think it goes by McFlynn now. Uh, Jason Flynn or Jason, I'm sorry, I may have it wrong, but, and John Hoganacker, these guys were like the funniest guys I had ever seen in my life. And I can remember they were just doing their thing. And I remember, I remember making a decision. Okay. You are not the class clown here. Like making a decision. Stop trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to be funny. That's why so, Boz doesn't you know, remember you so, being as funny because you were you were being you were being <laughs> serious actor, Larry. Oh, I was being very 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 serious. But all my friends from high school, they don't think that. Like they're like Larry's gonna be on Larry's gonna be on Saturday Night oh Live. He's cra- He's cra- they're like Larry is crazy. He's gonna be on Saturday Night Live. So I literally. So I know. I'm just saying that I was. I never got a warning, but I was. I was 100 percent like terrified um i mean yeah you know like improvisation i don't that i didn't i've never done that before you know what i mean and then to try to figure it out you know because i'm the kind of guy that's like what's the rules give me the rules and then i'll figure it out if i get the rules i can do it but like you know there's no what what are the rules you know there's there's a teacher looking at me saying yeah you're on focus you're not on focus oh okay Mm -hmm. cool yeah. Oh, that's right. They actually use that language. Rick Murphy used that language, right? 100%. On focus, yeah. not on focus. It's all coming yeah. back to me. And I remember being like, it was sort of this like nebulous, like, what does that even mean? But but he knew, apparently, he pretend, if he, or he and, pretended. Well, here's the thing. I, I know what it means now, I think. But at the time, I, 
I I was just like I was just I was just clueless. I was I mean I was really clueless, and it's that's disarming, and especially when. I mean, I was also like I was on academic scholarship at DePaul too, so I had to keep a particular GPA, which is also kind of frustrating when you. It's not like you're just giving me. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, how much am I really in control of the grade you're giving me when I'm being evaluated by like, yeah, it's so, we talked about this a lot. It was so subjective at the end of the day, it was whether or not you were pleasing to your particular teacher at that particular time. And, and for, for us, this is not like this is the case for you. For us, it ended up meaning that we just got really good at figuring out how to please these particular teachers. It may or may not have been something that helped us get better at acting. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, well, uh, yeah, well, 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 I, I, I think that's, I think that's a part of it to be, I mean, I honestly think that's a part of it. A hundred percent. I mean, and I, I mean, shit, I did that in, and I did that in high school. I mean, I, I was, I remember learning that real quick. If the teacher, if the teacher likes you, she's not going to flunk you. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Charming. So, I mean, charming is yeah, the word. Oh my God. You I was pretty oh my charming. God, I, I would, oh, listen, I, my, I would. Hi, how you doing, Miss? How are you? How was your day? I mean, I would. I would be that student that would bring uh, a, a, some apples if I needed to. And listen, listen. I'll tell you though, there's been times where I've taken a test and have messed up or something, and like the teacher has pulled me aside privately and said, "Hey, I'm gonna let you do this again." So, so it's worked out very well there. for you. Oh, oh, one, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. This is a crazy story. Go, go ahead, Boz. Yeah, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say um, favorite shows while you were there that you did. Any favorite that I did? Yes, that I did or yes. that I saw. Our man, our second year, our second year. There was a series of shows that even still to this day, I, I, I it's it's like been my best like theater experience, not only being a part of stuff, but also just watching my my classmates. And I want to believe I think we it was like this. There was like we did Antigone. I think we did. Um, I wasn't in Antigone. I'm just I, 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 sure we did. We did. Uh, I want to say it was um, uh, Diary of Anne Frank. Mm. We we were in Raisin in the Sun um, with Phyllis when, when we had like this you know crazy multi diverse cast. Uh, uh, I, I, I like I played Walter in the third act and Mama in the second act. To Dave Dismalshin's Walter what? in the second. To to Dave Dismalshin's Walter in the second act. Um, cool. Phyllis was going for it. Oh man, oh man, yeah. Uh, and then I want to say the other one was Dark at the Top of the Stairs. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, and I think Trudy might have directed it if I remember. But I remember that that year, just like, just I, I was just like, I, I am one hundred percent in the right place. Mm-hmm this is what I want to be consumed with for the rest of my life. I was just so inspired by, by the work we were doing and just seeing, just seeing what all, what just all my classmates just like, 
I, I don't know. It just it it was just it was just the most it was it was magic. It was magical to use it. To, I don't know to use a better. I word. love yeah. that. I love pe- hearing about people's experience of feeling like just the mad the magic nature of theater, which it always is. It, it, even when you're doing something that you don't like, you don't like the play, you don't like your experience, there's always a moment, at least once on stage, where you think, oh, yeah, this is legitimately magic right here. Like, we're, we're, we're and, and, you know, and, you know, I, I, I you know, was saying, like, it wasn't until I was in high school that I started doing these tournaments and stuff. But I, I, But when I think about it now... I've been an actor my whole life and it's, I've always been drawn to it. Cause I can even remember being like, I would do plays for, for church and for school and I would always be picked to do it. And I was always really quick at learning the lines and doing it, but I never like thought of it as, Oh, this is a, this is something you can do. But I can remember being in elementary school in uh, East Leesville elementary uh, in Louisiana and the high school students came or we would, they would take us to the uh, high school auditorium and we'd watch a play that the high schoolers were doing. And I remember, I think it was Aladdin. And I would love to go see this now, having been in theater for mm-hmm. as long as I've been in, because I bet you it was probably just like, I mean, it probably wasn't the best production, but I was, I was mesmerized. I was just sitting there with my eyes wide, mouth agape, just like this is, and I remember every year just like, are we going to go back to, oh. to, are we going to go back and see that again? Are we going to go? I remember it was just so taken by it. I'm just like, Oh my God, I love this so much. So, did you do kids shows yeah. at the theater school? Oh, uh, I did the kid show of all kid shows at the theater school. You don't understand. I did Peter Pan. Peter Pan was the one they did where they combined the showcase and the playworks, And we did like, we did like this insane run where we, it was like longer than normal kid shows. Plus we did evening shows. Right. It was, it was in sanity. <laughs> Who did you play? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I was, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was one of the, so, so Susan Lee's concept was, we were all like, it, it took place in the city of Chicago. So, uh, so the lost boys were these preppy, preppy kids, preppy, like prep school kids. The pirates was like, you know, this, this ragtag gang of folks. And we were this, uh, the Indians were this hip hop. Oh yeah. Shayna told us about this. Oh yeah. Oh, cause yeah. Cause if you were in that show, if you were in that show, (laughs) you remember it, but no. And, um, so yeah, my, my character's name was Snickers. Because you're all named after candy, Shana told us that. Yeah, we were all named after candy. I I rode a skateboard across the stage when they when I was when I was introduced, <laughs> and then I jumped out. And every now and then I'd say "Ugga Wugga Wigwam," "Ugga Wugga," and that was that that's was adorable. Wow. Yeah, we were talking about how okay. uh, hip hop Indians was is probably not a, a choice that looks so great in the rear view. Uh, tw- 20 years later <laughs> it's, it's a little off I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe not maybe not maybe not you were you were the lead in six degrees right i was i was john jenkins um, directed that what was that experience i saw that you were very good thank thank you thank you it, it was it was it was a great experience it was it was it was weird because i was pre-cast in it which was a, a weird thing you know they're just like which I didn't ask to be. I just, I just 
show up one day and it's like, Larry Bates is precast as Paul in Six Degrees of Separation. So it was just a thing around school that I had to deal with for a little bit. But um, but here's the, but also I'll tell you, this was a good learning experience too. And again, I just find myself fortunate to be on this end because I was precast. This is crazy. You might think this is crazy. You might think this is crazy. I got to, I got to sit in on the audition. Oh, wow. That is crazy. I want to hear everything. And I'll, well, why did well, you cast well, me as the lead lady? Well, I didn't, he would, he would ask me, he would ask my opinion, but I don't think he was really listening to my opinion. Uh-huh. And, and part of the reason why I was in there was, I mean, he might've been listening to my opinion, but I'm just saying, uh, I think part of the reason I was in there, because sometimes he'd throw me up there and go, okay, Larry, go up there. So sometimes he would put me up there to work with someone too. Um, but I will, it was, I, again, I think they should find a way to let actors do that in theater school because it is a, it is a eye opening um, experience as far as auditioning and that process, which, you know, for sometimes actors that's, I mean, not just sometimes, I, you know, I, I still get, you know, a little bit of anxiety for auditions and stuff, but like the amount of times that I've been able to be on the other side and watch it, it just gives you a completely different perspective of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. and I, and I think there's a level of power that, um, I think there's a level of, of, yeah, of power that is bestowed on the actor who who's able to have that experience because you look at it, you just look at it from a different perspective. Like there's nothing, why am I nervous? Like everybody here wants you to be, I mean, you just really, you just really see it. You just really see it differently. And I, you know, I recently did it um, on, um, on a play, a professional play out here. I was cast uh, in Katori Hall's uh, The Mountaintop where I was playing Martin Luther King. And I was cast first, so I got to sit in on the. Um, they wanted me to come in on the audition process and and work with the ladies that came in. It's a two hander. It's a two person play, and it's and again, I, I still find I still find it very invaluable because you can you realize that there's tons of reasons why you don't get picked that have that have nothing to do totally. with your with your potential or, or your your talent or any of that. I mean, literally. I, when I did this thing out here, I'm seeing, I mean, there are women who are coming in here that are super prepared, who are killing it. I mean, killing it. I'm like, this is, there, there are talented, there are talented people here. And then, but the, the person who walked in, who got it, it's, I don't know how to explain this. And you, you hear this, you know, in theater school. And I kind of hate this kind of stuff because it gets actors and people in, in their heads. And I think that's not where you should be, but like, we just knew, like she walked in, she started, it was like, Oh, that's, that's her. You just, you just knew it. So, and I hate, I, like I said, I hate that kind of stuff because then you have actors trying to figure out how to, how to be that person. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's that. Cause there were tons of super duper talented uh, women at audition, but anyway, it's just always, uh, a nice thing as an actor, because to me it frees me up a little bit to be like, I, I mean, I, I guess where my focus isn't so much on booking the job as much as I'm just gonna go in here and play this scene the way I think the scene should be played. And if you cast me, great. If you don't, whoop, 
Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, absolutely. Whoop-de-doo. It's such a trap to think you can always contort yourself into being the exact right person for a role. Because really, the reason that you got, if it's this case of a film or TV where you got at, where you got the audition at all, is because you already met certain parameters that were needed for this role. Yeah. And and so so you you are supposed to be bringing yourself. But I, I from my own experience, I can say I had no idea about that. I thought that my job was to always just be somebody else, and it wasn't until the first yes. time I directed a play and I had auditions that I had the experience that you're describing. And yes, they should yeah. make people do that in theater school. They should have a directing I, I, class, I, I, something like that. Yeah, it was great. And because it's, it's also better than, you know, because I, and I'm not trying to go just to harp so much on like that exit class. Cause it's not just in that class, but you know, you, you know, everybody's always trying to give actors advice. Oh, and you don't want to do this. And Ooh, you don't want to do that. You know, enough with all, look, enough with all that stuff. Like, it's not, I mean, look, it's hard. It's a hard business because it's a hard business. You know what I mean? But be your best self going in there and be fine with what happens. That's it. You know? Absolutely. It just makes, I just get, I just get annoyed with all of the, because I can remember her going, yeah, you want to be sure to do this because if not, they may cut the camera off on you. So now I'm like, I I don't want them to cut the camera (laughs) off on me. So now I'm obsessed. Now I'm obsessed with that, you know, or or you get a scene and they go, well, in this they gave you these two scenes because in this scene they want to see that you do this. And over here they want to see something. I ain't got time to be thinking all that, man. Let me just read the scene. How do I see the scene going? And then if they like me, they like me. If they don't, if they don't pick kick rocks. You know, come on, man. That that's something Just that we we talk about a lot is the 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 danger of teachers teaching something that they probably couldn't quite make a career for themselves because then it becomes about mm. all of their insecurities about the ways in which they failed projected onto their students, and it does put everybody in a little bit of a flip out cage mentally, and it's it's not a yeah. not a great. No, thing. I, no, I agree, and I and I actually think that was what was going on with. This and person. again, with that particular, yeah, exactly. Because I, and I think it was manifesting itself in other ways or like trying to, you know, you know, whatever her insecurities were or whatever, but, um, but yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree with you completely. So agree. how did you find the whole showcase experience? Uh, I mean, nerve, nerve wracking, crazy, you know, um, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about it in hindsight, as opposed to, to being in it, but it's, it's so crazy that I can totally, it's, God, I mean, school was a while ago, but I can, I just, I can totally put myself back in that situation. I mean, it was, I mean, it was exciting because we were graduating and, and for me, for me, I mean, like I got to go to New York. That's cool. I've never, I'd never been to New York. California. So there's, there's, there's kind of something cool about the travel of it all, you know, kind what of. Did you something... do, Larry, what did you do for showcase? What monologue? Yeah. I did, uh, I did, um, Toledo from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Oh. That monologue still, that monologue still, still, ser- well, I haven't used it in a little while, but it served me a lot out here too. But, but yeah, but, but I was just saying it was, it was a little, it was a little nerve wracking, but you know, it was, it was great. It was great to do the travel and stuff. And, and I, I did. I did well in Chicago. I did well in LA. Um, New York, I did okay. I mean, I, 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 I had some connections over there, but I was not feeling New York at all. So, I, I, I was just, just too crazy for me. Just too crazy. 
Um, and I'm already a little ADD. So it's just, I, I just feel like I'm like going crazy out there. Um, so, so yeah. And, and I, 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 I stayed in Chicago initially because that's what they told you to do, even though I had like really great contacts in LA. And when I got off the plane, I was like, Oh, I want to move here. This is where I want to be. But I was like, Oh, you're supposed to stay in Chicago. Cause that's what they say to do. Stay here to you can. And I met a manager in LA who would, would, um, get me auditions for my Chicago agents to put me on tape for. And I got close to, I want to say it was the West wing. I think, uh, when they were, uh, the Charlie care, I think his name was Charlie, the Charlie character. And, um, yeah, he was like, you need to be out in LA, man. Cause they, they, they wanted, the producers wanted to see me, but I was like, I can't fly out there tomorrow just for an audition. I can't do that. You know, he's like, well, this is why you need to be here. And I was like, well, why am I in Chicago waiting when I got people in L.A.? So I just went to L.A. And so why, I moved kind of, why did they tell I moved us kind of right to after. stay in Chicago? Why? I, I don't I don't know. It's part of this whole fear mongering thing they do at the end of school. Where do you want to be? You want to go to New York? Where well, you want to be in Chicago? Well, you don't want to go too early because you don't want to. It's like shut, shut up. Right. Like if, what if you what if you want to move back to your hometown and start a theater there? Mm-hmm. Like who cares? Yeah, I th- they probably also were keen to have a bunch of graduates doing well in Chicago theater. I mean that that was probably a self serving thing on their part. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. That, that does sense. make sense. And that's a little annoying because I don't need you to be serving yourselves. Help serve the students. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? So have you stayed in touch with like what's all the changes that have happened to the theater school since you've left? A little bit, a little bit. I mean, I'll periodically, um, I mean, I was in Chicago, like I was there at the Goodman doing a show a couple of years ago and I went to the new, um, the new building and my Lord, it's, 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 it's freaking gorgeous. Um, and, uh, my buddy, uh, Bobby Z who graduated with me teaches there now. So I'm always, always gets a chance. To, always, I always get a chance to talk to him and kind of, you know, I mean, I, I, look, I, I'm, I'm proud of where I went to school. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I, I, I love like keeping up on what's, what's going on over there. What so are you forth. working on now? Uh, I'm not doing, I mean, I'm, I'm about to workshop, uh, a play for South Coast uh, in like a, a week or two. I just got done doing something at uh, the, the Kirk Douglas. And before that, I did um, a, one of the first uh, filmed stage productions under the whole COVID guidelines down at um, San Diego Rep. Uh, this play called JQA by Aaron Posner, hmm. which is pretty is good. Is he the one right who wrote Stupid Fucking Bird? Yes, yes, he is. Yes, I think that is his play. Yes. How was that? Was that a good play? J J Q A? The play yeah, the play the play is the play is 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 pretty fantastic. I mean, ele- it's just elevated language. I played there's there's a is there four actors? There's four actors. We all played John Quincy Adams at one point or another. Um, but I played JQA, Andrew Jackson, and um Frederick Douglass. So uh and it's I mean it's just like each scene is a two-hander. Um, it's 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 a good play. It it, it was it, it it's it's a it's a challenging play just because it's I mean it's so it's so much to it and uh, very language uh, driven like you know so it's just so much dialogue 
So it's just a lot to to kind of to digest and and make your own. But it was also just you know we, we were doing it under COVID guidelines, which is in which is in which is in which was insane, especially for a play. And we were in you know in person rehearsing with masks on, keeping distancing. It was just a lot going on. And and I wouldn't say that was so much the problem, but you know you're all you are on heightened alert because you you know you don't want to catch COVID. So it's like you know you have these protocols in place, and then like how well are they following the protocols? Who was that random person that just walked in here? Why don't they have a you know stuff yeah. like that? You know, which which is just adds a level of uh, at least for me adds a level of stress mm-hmm. uh, to me. Yeah. yeah. In general, do you prefer working on theater or film or TV? Would you have a preference? Um, I mean, I prefer the money from TV and yeah. film a hundred percent. I mean, it's just it's just lovely. <laughs> I love doing, the, I love doing plays. I love doing plays because to me, what I love most about uh, theater is is the process and the relationships. Like, I just love like that a group of people get together and for a desired amount of time, we just work on something, you know, and what's great. What I love about it is if, even if we don't see each, even if we don't talk all the time, cause it's not like we all have to become best friends, but when we do see each other, it's like, Hey, I mean, it's like, Hey, we have this, like we have this like wonderful shared life experience. And it's, I mean, it really is pretty full too, because you're, you're investigating life mm-hmm. in, in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of, that's, that's what I love. And I just, you know, TV, you go and you shoot something and you see somebody, you, they may not even remember you, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And I, I kind of like the connections and I, I like the human contact. I mean, that's, that's the reason why I love to do it. I love the relationships that I make. I love that even more than, then like, you know, I mean, it's nice when you do something and people say, hey, good job. And they remember your work. So that, that stuff is appreciated. But I just I just love the people that I've met and the experiences that we've had. And I mean, I mean that sincerely. I'm not uh, I mean it really sincerely. I think you it's uh, so we talked to Jess Hanna, who lives in L.A., who does all theater. I don't think she does anything. But yeah, but I haven't we haven't really talked to too many people who kind of quickly went out to L.A. and have done film and television, but have continued to do both. Most people tend to go one way or the other. Yeah. I I feel very, I feel very fortunate. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, um, fortunate enough to, 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 um, to get, to do some stuff down at South coast, South coast repertory down in, um, Costa Mesa. And I just, I just would say yes. I would just say yes to everything. I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a hike down there. I can remember. I think my first gig down there was like a reading. They were like, "Can you come and do this reading?" It was like four day reading. Maybe it was like, maybe pay me like four hundred bucks. I didn't have a car when I moved out to LA. I didn't have a car either. Um, and I remember renting a car, which I think cost me four hundred dollars for the car. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just to drive down there. Mm-hmm to make $400, mm-hmm. but you know, I just would do whatever I can. And so, so I will say it was nice to find a nice little home there. And, and what's great is there's a lot of, um, a, a lot, you know, you, you, I mean, a lot of actors, a lot of new playwrights and a lot of directors kind of, kind of come through there. And, you know, I've, I've worked there pretty consistently 
um, for for the last like 20 years, you know what I mean? I've done a number of, of, of shows down there. And what's nice now, I would say, and I, I mean, knock on some wood that it continues is I've made enough relationships. There's enough people who are fans of my work there that like, you know, these people move on to other places. So I'll get a call going, hey, uh, such and such at, uh, you know, Arizona Theater Company is interested in if you're interested in this or, um, you know, like, um, you know, the, I think the Goodman kind of worked that way. And and I've been able to do shows at Denver Center, um, Cincinnati Playhouse. Actually, that was where I got my equity card. But that was that was that was different than South Coast. But still. Um, so, yeah, I feel I feel I feel I feel fortunate. So it's yeah. been it's been nice. And the opportunities for theater um continue to come up and, and also with the theaters in LA, like, um, Antaeus company, you know, it's it just, it just, it just kind of opens you up to that world. And I feel like when you really get in that, when you really get in that world, that kind of, you know, a lot of people say LA doesn't have a theater scene and it really, really does. It really does. It's not to say that there's not, you know, you know, people putting up plays just to showcase themselves, but there is a, there is a theater scene here. And what's also great about that is a lot of the people that do that work in TV and film, and then that kind of leads to other work and stuff. Do you ever want to direct or do you direct for theater? Um, I have not. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know yet. I was thinking about, I was thinking about this the other day because, um, because I was working on something and I just had a lot of time of sitting there and watching and, and I, I'm, people are doing stuff and I'm having ideas and stuff, but I, and I think, I don't think so. And here's why I say that, because I, what I want to do is get up and do it. Not like, you know, it's, it's, it's not fulfilling to me to go, Hey, cause I found myself going, Oh, 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 no, let me, I feel like I would just continually get up and go here. This, this is what it, this is what you should, you know, yeah. and I, and I, that's, that's a not, hard thing to overcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So what about writing? I, I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have like aspirations with that and I'm constantly working on projects and stuff like that and, and selling shows and stuff like that. So it's hard. Sure. It's hard to uh, get your foot in the door writing, isn't it? It, it's it's hard. So I'm not. So let me let me let me let me say this. I haven't, uh, as far as writing goes. So so okay. So I've had some success out here. Like I've, I did sell a show. I sold a show, but it was more unscripted stuff. So it was one of the things I did when I first moved out here because you know when acting was slow, it's just coming up with concepts. And I had an uncle out here who's like crazy TV guy, and he's like, man, all these ideas are. Or write them down, man. These are all shows. So I have like a production company and we've got some hooks in kind of the unscripted world. So I've sold several of those, those projects and, um, and scripted. Sure. I'm kind of moving toward that, that now. And yes, it is, it is difficult. It is difficult. It is difficult to get, get stuff in the right people's hands and to, to, to get things moving and so forth as well. But I, but I mean, it's not my, I, I don't, it's, it, it's hard for me to say how difficult it is because I'm, it's not my number one goal. And I just, I, you know, I respect people who put the time and energy and that's their discipline. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To make it seem like, oh yeah, it's hard. And I've, I've, you know, I like, I come up with concepts. We, you know, put together a nice little lookbook and be like, who, who can we shoot this to? You know what I mean? You know, my, my wife's a writer and I know, I see the amount of time and energy that she, she puts into it. So I'm not, I'm not at that level at, at all. I will say that 
do I have that those aspirations? Yes. But my problem is I start working on a project and then some kind of acting project comes up and then my, um, my focus is just. Blah, yeah. Yeah. You're an yeah. actor. I mean, like that's your, yeah. you're an actor. I think it's 100%. fantastic that you are. Yeah. You're the only person we've talked to that has tons of theater credits and uh, film and TV credits post-graduation. And um, I know you said like, you know, you said yes to everything, but like if, sure. you, if people want to do both, what would you say? Just say yes to everything in LA, like hook up with people. How do people do that? Yeah, well, well, I would say, I would say yes to it. Yeah, I would say yes to the degree, but it just it depends on where. I, I, first, I just think you need to. I want to be careful because I don't want to. I, I don't want to. You know, I, I respect everybody's hustle out here. Sure. I'm talking about actual theater companies and stuff. But I think there, are, in my opinion, you learn out here there are particular theater companies in LA that are worthwhile, that are worth your time. That in my true. opinion, so find out what those what what those companies are. Because the people that work at those companies work everywhere. They work at Taper, Geffen, uh, South Coast. You know what I mean? They work. They work at the big. Equ- they work at the big equity houses. If that's what you're into, because some people, you know, you you can you can do theater not at those big equity houses. But for me, I want to I want to do work at those big equity houses, make some money. You know what I'm saying? Um, so what I would say is find out the theaters that are worthwhile, because I feel like there are some out here that just really just ex- exploit actors, their, their work for their own stuff. And no one's really interested in seeing you, you know, yeah. do more. And, but, but particularly what's, what's important is the relationships you make at those theater companies, because I, I just having worked so much throughout it, there's so much crossover and 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 that stuff also bleeds into TV and to film. You know what I mean? It's just the, I think one of the one of the challenges in challenges in LA is you know there is the theater community here, but like the game in town is TV and film. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's it's just hard. It's just hard because you know, if TV and film comes knocking, you know, you're not going to, you know, yeah. you, you got to go answer the, you got to go answer sure. the door. So it's just balancing that and finding, finding the right places where they really do care about um, the craft. And there are, there are them. I mean, in, in Pasadena, um, you know, Pasadena Playhouse, Boston Court, any, any place I'm leaving out is just because I'm leaving out. It's not like, it's not that it's not, it's not there. It's just, I can't name them all. But like, there's a lot of places where like there are, you know, I feel like places that are are, are are worth your while. I mean, Pasadena Playhouse is an equity house, so that um, that would be. Um, You're a man that knows how to keep and build relationships. My that's friend. right. I, I I try. I try. I try. Larry, this has been fantastic. Thank you. Has it already it been an hour? Has it already been it an has. hour? Survive Theater School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. Follow us on Instagram at Undeniable Writers or on Twitter at Undeniable W-R-I-T-1. That's Undeniable Write without the E-1. Thanks!